Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Uh, today, we have a special person with us, as usual. Uh, I, I love having her on. She is so full of knowledge and information, um, actually looking at putting my stuff in to help her to help me, too. Uh, but Monica Ireland Caras, Veterans Benefits Attorney with Tabak Law Firm, based out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, with offices located across the USA. Uh, she is really uh, excellent um, in her work as an attorney and is really doing uh, a great benefit for our veterans. If you have the chance, make sure that you turn to her if you have problems with your veterans' uh, issues and claims. Uh, today's discussion is going to be centering around herbicide exposure benefits. And I am so glad to have you on, uh, Monica. So, you know, tell us a, a lowdown of what's going on with this herbicide exposure benefits. We've heard about Agent Orange in the past and everything else that's going on. So uh, what's going on now? Well, good afternoon, Dr. Arnold. It's yes. so nice to hear your voice. I feel like <laughs> it's been a little while. Yes. Um, <laughs> great to talk to you and Glenda Smith and the governor. <laughs> wow, I feel like it's been a minute. So yeah. <laughs> happy Saturday to you all. Um, yeah, what I wanted to talk to you all about today, it's a specific case. And I don't want it to sound too legally because it's, mm. it's actually easy to understand, but it's mm-hmm specific to Agent Orange, and it's specific to our Vietnam era veterans. And it's a court case that's called um, Nehmer versus the Department of Veterans Affairs. And this is a case that um, is from the mid-90s. And the thing that's really important about this case is this is the case that established those herbicides, the Agent Orange um, exposures that the VA will presume are service-connected. So what that means is if you were um, in the Vietnam War and you um, are now have any one of these conditions, you don't have to prove to the government, to VA, that something happened to you, hmm. that, you were, um, that you now have this injury or disease. All you have to show is that you were in Vietnam. Oftentimes, um, a combat medal is enough for that. Um, during that time period. So, you know, when we talk about veterans benefits, we talk about you having to have an illness, something having to have happened to you in the service, and there being a medical link between those two Mm -hmm. um, in order to show that um, it is essentially the fault of your military service that you have this illness. And the reason I'm bringing this up right now is because I had a recent decision that just kind of jogged my memory on this. Mm -hmm. I had a gentleman who filed for numerous things. He filed for um, diabetes type 2. He had a heart condition. He had um, what's known as peripheral neuropathies, Mm -hmm. um, you know, attached to those conditions. And um, he filed for these, again, because he filed in the past, 
And we were able to get him a back pay award of $105,000. That's a significant amount of money for someone. (laughs) For anybody. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and that's a great... And the nice thing about this is we didn't have to kind of take the gloves off and go to war with VA like we oftentimes have to do to prove things because all we had to show was that this gentleman was in Vietnam. And once we showed that, his issues um, were one of the things that was on the presumption um, list. So there are mm-hmm. roughly 10 things on the presumption list. But um, the things that a lot of people um, kind of overlook and that we get service connection for um, is diabetes type 2, um, ischemic heart disease. Um, their Parkinson's disease is now um, qualifying and non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, there's about 10 more. Um, a lot of those are cancer-related. Peripheral neuropathy is on there. Um, and now, just as of the beginning of this year, they added bladder cancer, hypothyroidism, and Parkinson's-like symptoms, which um, that's the Parkinson's-like symptoms are great because oftentimes mm-hmm. I can, you know, the, the veteran doesn't have a diagnosis but it turns into that diagnosis. Right. So um, this is huge for our veterans. This is something that they fought for for years. <laughs> and without, <laughs> I feel like I'm talking and talking and talking. But the bottom <laughs> line on this that's really kind of amazing is, let's say you got out of the service in 1970s and you were in the war, and in 1996, you made a claim for heart disease. But at that point in time, it wasn't recognized by VA as being an exposure issue, and they said no. And then you went ahead and you refiled today. Because that is now a presumptive disease, your effective date will go back to the date you filed in the 90s. Wow. And what that translates to is those great big back pay awards. Wow. So it's really an amazing thing. Um, Dr. Arnold, have you, um, do you have friends that were exposed to Agent Orange or you yes. people in the community that you've worked with? Yes, absolutely. And, and family members as well. Um, you know, one of my, uh, my cousin's uh, wife who lives in a, in the uh, DC area was uh, in, in that same um was in Vietnam and was exposed uh, to to Agent Orange as well, and uh, yeah, so you know that that's something that um, you know actually I've been talking to him more and more, and after actually after being on on the show with you and and talking about what veterans should be pushing for, he actually um, his is uh, coming around to doing a lot of those things and trying getting his paperwork together and getting himself um, you know in position for that. Um, he actually they they recognized one of the uh, combat injuries he's had recently, and so he's like, oh boy, <laughs> you know. And, and I think it's because a lot of veterans sit around and they think, you know, uh, the country doesn't owe me anything. I owed it everything because, uh, you know, I, I was uh, fighting for the country, and and uh, they don't feel that. Um, this is it, it's sort of been put into a position where they feel like maybe some people perceive this as that I'm getting a handout or something. No, it's you're being covered and compensated for a condition that resulted from your 
uh, involvement in the military. That's why uh, those things were uh, provided, and that, that, that's why they're provided for in the laws and the legislation, because uh, you should be not have to suffer the consequences of uh, the um, things, infirmities of war when you get back home, when we have so many things that can be done to help you. Uh, and so, you know, it should be something that people feel is a is it's um, it's something to compensate you for your service and what you have done. And a lot of veterans sort of walk away from this because they, if they ask for one or two times, they don't want to feel like they're begging and that kind of thing. Uh, but I think what you said before in many shows is that persistence matters. You need to uh, make sure that you're working with someone such as yourself that uh, understands the uh, railroad tracks that you have to go down in order to make these claims. Absolutely, and I'm so happy to hear your family members pursuing that family. That that warms my heart that we just reached another person. Um, yeah, you know, my father was one of these people who, in 2002, got um, numerous claims service-connected that were never service-connected before, and he became um, 100% service-connected disabled, and that was life-changing for him. Uh, to this day, it, it's amazing for him because he's in the state of Wisconsin and the Wisconsin Department of Veteran Affairs, they give specific benefits to service-connected um, individuals and he is in a nursing home right now and that mm-hmm. service connection is paying for that. Um, and I can tell you, I mean, that has been a blessing in and of itself. Uh, no one ever wants to put their parents in a nursing home and no one wants to do it during COVID. I guarantee that. Oh, yes. Um, but to feel like they were taken care of is just, it, it, you know, it's a huge burden off the family's shoulders. So, you know, state by state, um, they have, you know, it's, it's important to recognize that there is the Department of Veterans Affairs, which we fight on a daily basis. But every state seems to have their own also Department of Veterans Affairs that is mandated by the state legislature. And you may have different um benefits that flow from that as well. So in addition to all these things I'm talking about, there may be state benefits that flow um, from your service connection as well. So that's another thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind. Um, Oh, boy. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like we, um, you know, my my father gets his service-connected stipend from VA, and the Wisconsin Department of Veterans Affairs just takes – actually a very small portion of that every month so that they can um, house him and take care of him. Um, And it's Mm. just been a godsend for us. It really has been. Um, But, you know, my father has early onset dementia, and I cannot get a service connection for that. And um, I'm just going to keep pushing and pushing on that. And the reason that is important Mm -hmm. is because of cases like NEMA. Because Mm -hmm. when you initially file and they deny you and I promise you they're going to keep adding stuff to this herbicide list. They just added three more at the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. So as they continue to add those, if you filed in the past, you're going to be able to get an effective date that goes all the way back. So for someone like me, who I'm just filing for dementia over and over again and they keep, you know, denying me, if something like that ever gets added to this list, I've got that in my back pocket that we already filed for that for my dad. So if it becomes part of this presumption list, 
um, you know, the effective date will go back that much further. Yeah, you know, and and we're moving now into another administration, and you know, some some of the um, the earlier shows uh, we had today, we were talking about how uh, there is a commission that's being uh, put together to potentially dismantle the uh, you know VA system and to move mm-hmm. more into a privatization of the VA mm-hmm. um, cycle. So what, what, you know, from your viewpoint, um, you know, as an attorney, what, what do you see needs to be done with the new administration for our VA um, benefits and for uh, the service-connected disabilities? What would you like to see? Well, you know, if we're going to go to a privatization type, um, you know, layout for VA, mm-hmm. the, the issue that's important is that these doctors are familiar with, with what it means to be a veteran and whether that's a combat veteran or not, um, these doctors need to be familiar. And, um, you know, one of the things I deal with is what's known as a comp and pen exam. So when you put your claim in, if the VA feels like you have good reason to make this claim, they will send you to what's known as a comp and pen exam. And that doctor will examine them. And to the VA, that is the Holy grail as to whether you have, um, the diagnoses or the connection um, for the service-connected disability. And the problem where they they moved those examinations completely, now 100% out of the VA, and we're getting, um, so our veterans will get notices from places like LHI or VES um, to do these independent competent exams. And what we're finding is these are not doctors that are trained to deal with our veterans. These are not doctors, they're just contract doctors. And Mm. it's a little disheartening because VA has spent a lot of money um, educating within VA people about not only post-traumatic stress disorder and the mental health disorders that flow from combat or just military experiences, but they've also spent a lot of money on military sexual trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've kind of had to because Congress made them. Mm-hmm. But now we're outsourcing all of that to a demographic that is not familiar. They're not familiar with military sexual trauma. They're not familiar with post-traumatic stress disorder. So we're getting a lot of kind of knee-jerk reactions on these comp and pens going, nope, mm-hmm. you don't have a service connection. It's been too long. It's been too long mm-hmm. since... You know, you had a knee injury in service in 1983, which is well-documented, 10 times in your service treatment records, but you haven't complained about that until this year, and therefore there's no service correction. And as advocates, we have to stop and say, well, you guys don't know the law. The law does not say that this person has to have a diagnosis. The law says that this person has to have been experiencing the pain or discomfort it has to so we have to keep these doctors kind of in check mm-hmm. so you know the 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 best advice i can give is when someone goes to a comp and pen exam mm-hmm. um you know know the questions they're going to ask there are these things called disability benefit questionnaires um and that's what they fill out take a look online see if you can find one for your specific injury and if you can, be prepared for the questions they're going to ask you. And if they don't ask you the questions that you see 
on there, you make sure you bring it up. Um, and that's the best advice I can give mm-hmm. anybody right now. Yeah, and, and one one thing too, you know, uh, Monica, you know, in, when you're in those exams, you know, uh, and I, I've I've gone through you know exam, you know, a couple of exams myself, and <clears throat> wasn't that satisfied at all. Uh, but mm. when I went through it, um, I, I'm not even sure if they're writing down what I'm saying. So you know, what yeah. they're actually putting into the record may be different from what I'm saying. Um, uh, and yeah. So, so I mean, should we be asking for a copy of that record, you know, when we're leaving, or to, to, to you know, to look at it and 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 make sure that it's accurate, that it accurately reflects what we're saying? Um. So, if you are a veteran that uses e-benefits, uh, mm-hmm. I believe you should be able to get access to the results of those exams through your e-benefits. Okay. Um. If you are working with an attorney or an advocate like a veteran service officer, they will have access to that and they will be able to pull um, the results as soon as they come in for you and get you a copy of it. Okay. I think the most important, so there is a form within the VA. So everything you do with VA is on a form. They want their form. Mm -hmm. There's a form within the VA and it's called the 4138. Mm -hmm. And it just is basically more documentation, more evidence. If you walk out of that comp and pen exam and you just don't feel like you were heard or you feel like the right questions weren't asked or one of the things that I've been seeing a lot lately is um, people who go in and have an issue with flexion either in their knees or elbows with how far they can bend, which is a real big deal to the VA. Mm-hmm. that the um, examiner is not using the instrument. Yes. <laughs> yes. They're not using the instrument they need to be using, so they're just kind of eyeing up deflection. That's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you feel like, you know, you just, like, walked out of there and you're like, I was not heard, you fill out this Form 4138 and you send it in right away and you just say, my competent examination was not good um, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And that kind of covers your butt from a legal standpoint because contemporaneous um, evidence is always better than evidence down the road. Yes. So okay. mm-hmm. if you do that, the minute you walk out the door and that 4138 form is dated the same time as your comp and pen, before you even know the results, that evidence holds more weight then if you wait to get the results, the results are bad, and then you type it up just because you don't like the results. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, because so that's what I you're actually presenting have... with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's very important. I know we're winding down on time, oh, yes. and I just wanted I want you, to... Yeah, give your give your contact information, because I, I, I think you walk on water, so <laughs> I want people to know how to get in contact with uh, Tayback Law. <laughs> Oh, Dr. Arnold, you are too good to me. Um, my name is Attorney Monica Ireland Karras. I'm with the law firm Tayback Law. I'm based in Milwaukee. We are Tayback for the payback because we can help you get those benefits that you need. The phone number you should use is 414-375-1735. That's 414-375-1735. Payback is T-A-B-A-K, like payback, 
without the fee. Um, so uh, you can look me up online. I'm at paybackattorneys.com. Um, again, that's paybackattorneys.com, T-A-B-A-K, attorneys, A-T-T-O-R-N-E-Y-S.com. Um, you can look us up on there. There's a okay. profile on that website about what we do, about my work, about the successes. Mm-hmm. So please look us up. Give us a call. Okay. Uh, I like nothing better than to help our veteran community. Uh, okay, we're out of time. I'm sorry, <laughs> Monica, but we have got to get you back on sooner rather than later because it's so important for veterans to know you're there and you can actually help them. And we are so p- proud of having you as a partner and a sponsor, Tabak Law Firm, LLC. And, uh, uh, Monica, we will have you back shortly, soon. We need to have you. Uh, so... Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.